Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Kickish. Today we have Lauren Hastings, SLP. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's a speech language pathologist, and um, today we're gonna learn all about what she does, what she specializes in, how she got here, her journey, everything. So thank you, Lauren, for coming and gracing me with your presence. No problem. I'm excited to be here. Yay, yay, yay. So as always, we're going to get started with how we met. And honestly, um, I don't really have a particular moment in time, but I do feel like mm -hmm. I've known you since I moved to Atlanta, because I think you were like a senior at GAAA. And I just remember You put it out there like that. I just realized what I did. <laughs> Was that 2001, 2002? Back in the year of. <laughs> <laughs> then I feel like I really, really got to know you when you came to my classroom. It was like, look, my auntie's head. I was like, oh, okay, all right. Right. <laughs> so you end up playing my wedding. Yeah. And it was cool. Right. So we kind of got the same story. Yeah, pretty much. That, that sounds about right. That sounds, sounds great. great. I, I have nothing to add to that story. <laughs> I'm glad you left that last part out. And you know what part I'm talking about. Except for me. Oh man, oh man, that is so funny. That's my funny. But yes, I'm very, very glad that you're here. So I'm just gonna let you jump into it. So you are a speech pathologist. Um. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you if you want to share where you're based, what you do, how we find you, and everything. Yeah. How you got it's a lot. So <laughs> I do a lot. So I'm Careful. trying to like keep it in this little box, which I never you can't put me in a box. So my name is Lawrence Hastings. Like she said, I have a mobile private practice in Atlanta right now called Here to Speak. I also recently started a consulting business called Here to Speak Academy, where I help other speech pathologists start the private practice, but more specifically, help them become an insurance provider. So give you a little uh, inside scoop that there are companies out there that charge two, three, four, five hundred dollars to fill out the application for people. But sometimes they do it wrong and they take forever. And so I teach people they can do it themselves and save all that money. Okay. Um, as well as teach them how to bill insurance. So it's, a, it's really all-inclusive class. Um, mm -hmm. so I teach them how to apply and get credentialed themselves. And then I teach them how to bill insurance. And then, okay. of course, I show them my software, how I do it, my processes, my systems that I have in place. So it's not just um, insurance talk. I talk about business in general. Um, okay. But... I don't know when this is going to be released, but I feel like I'm comfortable with saying this. But I will be closing my practice. I recently got accepted into the University of Alabama, Birmingham, um, PhD program. Yes, I'm very okay. excited. Uh, it's a. You think what? I think my aunt is there. I know my cousin is there. Yeah, She's we got to connect. Yeah, so it's not in speech. It is actually an education. So it's educational studies in diverse populations 
the concentration in health disparities. So I get to marry my love of education, my love of minorities, and then my love of um, children with disabilities. I really just wanted to find, and this is like a tidbit I'm giving early on in this conversation, but I really just wanted to find a place where I could study black people. I know that's kind of straightforward, but- Oh um, no, we're here for it. So if anybody is considering a PhD program, all of my friends always told me, look at the program and look up what the faculty are studying because you ultimately are going to study what they're studying. And so at first I was like, maybe I should do a PhD in special education. So I started looking at different programs and no one was really studying Black people. Yeah, okay. So I was just like... I don't think I need to do the PhD in speech. And so fortunately, unfortunately, uh, my ex-boyfriend uh, lives in Alabama. And so when we first started dating, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to give up my dream <laughs> again a PhD just because of this relationship. So I actually found this um, program because of him. But unfortunately, we're not together anymore. But it, it all works out. So it um, worked out. It just worked out. Right. And so when I read up on the program, I can look, I can study race. I can study socioeconomic status. I can study homosexuality if I wanted to. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, and lump it in to education and now health disparities because having a mobile private practice, who are people, Lord? We are in denial when our kids have delays. And I truly feel, this is just my hypothesis, but I truly feel like black people are thinking, oh, my child's already black. Now they have this disability. I really don't want to like even think that way, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And then also I think that for years, people are still like living in the 50s and 60s it's such a negative connotation of, of the idea of a child being delayed or a child having autism or a child having any type of syndrome or um, intellectual disability. That negative, that negative idea of like being put in a straitjacket or sent away to a school that no one knows that you go to. Like we, mm-hmm. I'm still fighting that mentality now, right? Wow. Um, And so for me, another reason why I want to go to school is because these people have policies and stuff in place, but they're not implemented. Mm -hmm. And you only see that when I call them in these streets, you know? (laughs) So now I'm at a position where, okay, I have six years this week, made it six years that I've been in private practice. I have these six years of experience. Thank you. And then I have this five year experience in the school system. And mm-hmm. so I'm marrying all of those experiences to say, okay, I still was kind of seeing the same thing in private practice that I was seeing when I was in the schools. And you know, you worked at a school, so you understand what I mean with the whole, like, you're trying to say, hey, they might need some extra help. And then the parents are like, no, they good. <laughs> we just don't get a tutor. Like, eh, you might not. No, it's a little deeper than that. Right, yeah. right. Right. So I'm really excited about this next chapter. I get to leave Atlanta 
everybody's trying to come here. I don't know why, but it's I'm really cool. excited. Atlanta is full. It's full, right? It's full. It's so is Chicago. <laughs> right. So going to Birmingham, I'm really excited about that. And just getting back into that space of being in school, just something. I know school is expensive sometimes and it can be a challenge, but it's something about being in a learning environment and just, you know, uh, meeting people with different perspectives and just having that camaraderie and conversation. So I'm really excited about that. That is cool. So how long is the program? So I can do part-time or full-time. Okay. Um, I want to do part-time because, okay. you know, I want to be biblical on you, but the race is not given to Swift, okay? So if this part if part time is an option, let's do part time, okay? He's on um, back in right, Exactly. Um, because I've been out of school for a little bit. So um I'm also shifting gears. Like I said, I'm closing my practice, but I am hoping to get a job at the children's hospital because I've never worked at a hospital. Okay. And the hospital, I'm telling y'all the tea. The hospital is associated. <laughs> the hospital is associated with UAB. So a perk for working there, they will pay for your tuition after okay, you have well, we on that. So naming and claiming for me. <laughs> yes, yes. So I'm I'm really excited about that. But um, but yeah, that's what I got going on right now. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. That's so cool. So, and I guess like for me, especially because you're studying, I know it's like African Americans, but black people. Um, because one of my questions was going to be about uh well, one, you specialize currently because you're still practicing. Right. So at this current moment in time, you specialize in the younger kids. Yes. So like in the school. Schools, I always did elementary. So I was just used to kindergarten through fifth grade. When I started my practice, out of nowhere, <laughs> I started getting babies. So majority of my clients are five and younger. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So with that, and I know you were saying, especially with black kids, I know when we... We, I think it's easier. People like to label black kids as, you know, hyperactive. They need to be put on medication and all this stuff. So I feel like that's one of the fears in which parents are not rushing to go get their kids tested. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but I think it's so important that we have black representation in these roles. Absolutely. Looks as no, your child needs yeah. X, Y, Z, you know. Yeah. And, and that's so, how I talk to them too, just like that. <laughs> just like that. Just like that. Like, I've got to the point where I'm like, listen, this is not Miss Lauren talking. This is like big sis. I'm auntie of your child. This is what we need to do. <laughs> but um, wow. one thing I have found is that, or oh, I'm learning, is that when you tell a parent there's something wrong with their child especially the mother they take it personal and think you're telling something's wrong with them mm -hmm. not only that i try to shift the conversation and tell them it's their environment so it won't sound like it's so personal mm -hmm. let's talk about screen time let's talk about a routine 
let's talk about what you're feeding your child. So I kind of shift the conversation that way, even though I'm still kind of saying it's you. (laughs) Um, Because I tell all of my all of my parents where I think a child has ADHD, I tell them I bat for both teams. I bat for let's do all natural stuff first and Mm -hmm. see if that changes it. And if it doesn't, then let's get some pharmaceutical, right? But nine times out of 10, I want to be honest with you, if they're consistent and if they change their child's environment, it it subsides. I won't say it goes away, but it subsides. Um, I do have my certification in ADHD as a um, clinical provider. And that basically just means that I can't diagnose, but I do have extra tools and tricks up my sleeve and working with kids with ADHD. And when I was getting that certification and, and learning from different psychologists and neurologists, I come to realize it's really the child's environment. Wow. I'm sorry, but these new parents are giving their children ADHD. I, <laughs> it's, your fault. it's your fault. So you remember back in the day when we were younger and they were talking about, oh, too much TV time. Mm-hmm. If you really deep dive now, you know, before they would say what the picture would change every 30 seconds, 45 seconds. Yeah, to keep your attention. Quicker. Now it's quicker. Yeah. Right. So now it's quicker, especially if it's on a um, tablet. So think about this. There's a reason why the pediatricians of the Academy of Pediatricians are saying no screen time before the age of two. There's a reason. There's a reason why they say, Okay, once they turn to, it's only, I think, 30 minutes to an hour a day, and that's monitored. Meaning, if they're watching something about Elmo, oh, what's Elmo singing? Oh, he's singing his ABCs. It's monitored. You're engaging with the kid while they're still on screen time. Because that birth to five period is so important. It's okay. so important. So it's so important for brain growth. Like, you're, I, I think I read somewhere that children have the most brain growth between birth to five. Wow. And, and then um, it's some other stuff, but that's more reading stats. I'm not going to get too deep into it because I don't remember them all. But just know, birth to five is an important <laughs> period of time. Mm-hmm. So think about, think about it this way. If you are handing your phone to your toddler, mm-hmm. they're like a year and a half, two years old. First of all, about to educate you real good because now you're gonna start looking at kids. Now they're not even developing oh pointy finger anymore. I see thumbs and I see middle fingers. Mm-hmm. Thumbs and middle fingers all the time. And I'm just like in my head, even though I'm not an occupational therapist, I'm thinking writing is going to be a problem. That pencil grip is going I have seen kids like this. Mm-hmm. I have a four-year-old right now. He colors. He writes like this. Wow. Not like this. Like this. Okay. So, and then when I've been, I, I'm a holistic therapist, meaning yes, speech is my lane, but I look at every single thing. And then you see them pick up a phone and they're using their thumbs. Your thumb is not supposed, it's the yeah. index finger. So it's, it's affecting their pencil grip. Mm-hmm. It's affecting their attention. So if, if, Screen time now is quicker than it was when we were younger, and you're introducing it early. 
That's oh. why you see kids run around and Earlier, not being able to sit yeah. down. Yeah. Right. That's why they can't sit down. That's why they mm-hmm. can't attend. Because if you take that away, oh, this is too slow for me. I'm not entertained. Mm-hmm. So they have to do something that's real quick. Wow. They got to run around. And then add on top of that, let me get, get it real good, lay it on thick. Let's add on top of that all these carbs and these hot Cheetos. And now they got hot bunions and flaming hot this and flaming Ooh, hot that. We, we and you are even talking about that. <laughs> Listen. We were talking about that. that. <laughs> the the um, flaming hot anything, use mm-hmm. um, red food color dye whatever if you look up the red food coloring is very bad i remember a parent of mine um a patient of mine every time i went to his house he would eat flame hot cheetos oh my gosh I, and it just first of all i cringe because it's junk food number one number two i didn't know that much about red food dye until i think i watched a documentary on netflix but i knew i was right when mom said yeah i had to take him to the ER a couple of times because he had a bad stomach ache. Why? Because of the flaming hot. Like <laughs> it's wow. all interconnected. So you got the layer of the tablets and the phones. Then you got the layer of the bad diet because kids are not eating fruits and vegetables anymore. And then kids don't go outside no more. Mm-hmm. And outside, going outside, getting that vitamin D, it helps decrease ADHD. But if they're staying inside. If they're eating junk, if they're always in front of the screen, this is why I say parents nowadays are getting their kids ADHD. That's so crazy. Like, I had something that was in my head and then you kept talking. But (laughs) I didn't know it was good because it was something that you said. But I'm going to go back to this. It is, I feel like you're real quick with it. One, because I remember, um, I remember being at a dinner one time and there was a kid there. Oh. There. Yes. I'm just going that's as much as the event location I'm going to and you instantly was like, "Yep. This is what's going on with that kid." And I was like, "Yo, I was like, when I have a kid, I'm be like, Lauren. <laughs> it's going to be like day one. There you go. <laughs> All right." But yeah, like, and that's that's really crazy because like you're spot on because I see this kid, you know, throughout life, and mm-hmm. what you said, like, it's true. But yeah. I did watch this documentary one time. I don't even know what it was called, but it was talking about in certain countries they don't even make shows for kids under five because kids under five should not be watching TV. That's right. how. They- so they said that in this country, oh, I wish I would remember where what country it was. Like, so how we have like Sesame Street, Arthur, mm-hmm. all that, they don't make that for them. They do not show that. Nothing is five, it's, you know, five mm-hmm. and up. And I was like, yo, that's crazy. But I guess because they know. Like, yeah. like you said, those are the critical moments of the brain development. And I- we went outside. Yeah, I'll even tell you this. One of my high school friends, uh, classmates, actually, her daughter wasn't talking as she should have. And I, I, uh, you know Marco Polo. We have our little class. You know Marco Polo yeah. I said, it's a lot of things going on. First of all, when you record these videos at 10 or 11 o'clock at night, she's still up. I have a problem with that. Number two, 
it seems like the TV is always on. I was like, you need to dial that back. She hasn't been that consistent, but she has started to dial it back. And I remember seeing her post on Facebook. Oh, my daughter said a two or two word phrase for the first time. And it's, it's more, I'm telling you, it, I'm not crazy. I have <laughs> experienced it so many times. This is why I don't blink. I don't, I don't try to tiptoe around it. I have seen, I even have a story. I'll tell you this story. There's a kid I picked up February, 2020. He was not talking. And mom was, they only in Atlanta. So <laughs> someone turned this old motel into an apartment oh, building. So it's just a one room. And mm -hmm. so I was telling her, I said, you need to dial back the TV. I said, I know you can only do what you can because it's just a one room thing. But I was yeah. like, dial back the screen time, dial back the TV. She did. And he started, she said, at one point, he didn't even, he stopped asking for the tablet. So the, the great thing about that situation was that she watched how I interacted with him. She started mm -hmm. buying some of the same toys. Mm -hmm. um, but so I picked him up. Let me go with the timeline. I picked him up February 2020. COVID happened. She was just like, I don't want this to stop. I was like, you know, she did the, if you good, we good. So I just <laughs> my hands. You know, I'm for real. I had a couple of parents to do that. So um, when COVID hit, I kept working. There was about five or six parents who were like, I don't want this to stop. My kid is doing yeah. too well. Um, mm -hmm. And a few of them had autism, so and we thought he had autism, which he did, and so she didn't want him to suck. So picked him up February 2020. He got diagnosed with autism July 2020, I think it was. And by the following mm -hmm. year, I discharged him. Um, the special ed teacher, because um, he ended up doing self-contained, meaning that it's a special ed classroom, self-contained special ed classroom remotely, online, okay. uh, starting fall of 2020, I think it was. And then by the end of the school year, the teacher was like, mom, I think we're gonna move him to like an inclusion classroom because he just knows too much. Cause all of my kids, I start them with their colors, their shapes and their letters. As the first mm -hmm. three things I am incorporating in therapy. So my kids can run circles around other kids, no matter what delay they got. They know. Right. So because he knew all of that, I could grow his conversation. He was able to answer questions. So right. he was like running circles around those kids, like to the point of he couldn't even wait for his turn. Um, mm -hmm. The teacher would ask another kid. He's like, oh, that's a circle. Oh, that's what this <laughs> right? And so I say all that to say, in a year's time, he got diagnosed with autism, graduated out of self-contained, was talking full sentences like when I discharged him, his mom said he was walking around the house like, where's Miss Lauren? I can't find Miss Lauren. Like full-fledged sentences. Now this oh, kid uh, like, or by the time I discharged him, like four or five. Mm -hmm. So you can't tell me the environment doesn't make an impact. You can't oh, yeah. tell me that. You can't tell me, and I won't step on people's toes, people's parenting styles don't have impact, right? Because I, I have had to tell parents, stop picking your child up. 
Like I be seeing that sometimes, but I feel like that's just a judgmental constant. I'd be like, why are you picking no. your kid up? But then you know, I'm like, whatever. So here's the thing. Think about it this way. And and I my brain just I, I have come to the conclusion I think differently. I think outside the box. People don't think like me, and I just have to embrace my gift, right? So I had to educate people to say, kids start kindergarten at five. Mm-hmm. They're in preschool at four. I have been in a lot of pre-K classes. They wash their own hands. They get their own plate. They throw the plate away. So if your child is still at home and they're four and you're still babying them, mm-hmm. when they do go to school, it is going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible. So you're still picking them up. You're still holding the cup to their mouth. You're still wiping their face. Therefore, that's pre-K. Kindergarten is like the new first grade. They, what? And then I have to tell parents, pre-K, you got two teachers. Kindergarten, you got one. So just imagine if people don't put their kids in preschool, (laughs) my Lord, and then throw them in the kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And then people wonder why their kid get tested so quick and they talking about special education. Because your child is delayed. Maybe not delayed forever, but it's just like I feel bad for these kindergarten teachers. I felt bad for them both when I was in the school system, but I know it's ten times worse now because they would complain like, "Oh, this kid don't know how to hold a pencil. Oh, this kid don't know how to write their name." Wow, that's crazy. Because I those ages go by so quickly. So, okay, I give it about two, maybe two and a half. Actually, no, I give it about three. By three, you need to start some independency. Learn how to blow your nose yourself. <laughs> Learn how to put on your pants yourself. At least attempt to. Yeah. You've been on this world too long. <laughs> Wipe your face. <laughs> like, you're too old. But let me tell you, Constance, even sometimes I look up and I'm like, how old are you again? You five now? <laughs> like, three, four, and five. Those three years go by so fast. You look up, oh, you have a three-year-old. Then it's like, wait. It's time for pre-K. Now it's time for kindergarten. It yeah. so three, four, and five. Those years go by so so fast. And um, <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. So, so with my ex-boyfriend, <laughs> I went to, I went to the museum once, and and I, his his daughter is young. I'll just say that I won't give age. She's young, <laughs> and so um, I looked on her little table. And I saw this book that said her name and it said pre-K. Now, mind you, she's nowhere near pre-K. Nowhere near. And so I said, what's this? And so I'm looking through it and this is these Velcro stuff in there with the alphabet and her name and colors and shapes. I said, why did you get that? I was like, she's too young. She's not even close to pre-K. Like, why? He said, it's all them stories you keep talking Oh, <laughs> it was like his kid is not gonna be the one that Listen, you be talking about. He he would hear all my stories about how you know I got these four year old kids who don't know how to spell their name and don't know the letters of the alphabet and they about to go to kindergarten and they gonna be behind and he's just hurting me <laughs> all those things and he said he said um I, I want to make sure she's ready <laughs> I said okay. 
<laughs> oh man, that's so crazy. So how does it get to the point where, or like, when do you notice that a kid is nonverbal? And like, I understand like what you said, the environment, but mm-hmm. didn't they be saying like mama, dada, all that type yeah. of stuff? So I tell parents to go by their ages, right? So when a child is one, they should be saying one words all the time. Cup, mommy, up, go, right? But when they're three, it should be three words. Mommy, come here, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Want more, please. So Mm -hmm. if you see a three-year-old and they're just saying one words all the time, we got a problem. Okay. And even I even used that when I worked in the elementary school and um, I had these third, fourth, and fifth graders who were struggling with um, reading and writing. Um, I told them one day, I'll never forget. I was like, how old are you? How old are you? Okay, eight, nine, 10. Okay, that's how many words I want in your sentence. Because a lot of kids with learned disabilities, give them a write a sentence, they'll probably say, I saw a cat and I'm over-exaggerating, but it, it'll be very short and simple. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. We, we third, fourth, fifth. We gotta, we gotta have a. Where did this cat at? What color was it? Like, I need some. Yeah, know. right. So it became like a challenge, but they would give me more words in the sentences, and I was flabbergasted. Isn't it crazy? Would you just tell a kid, give me eight words in a sentence? Yeah. They do it, and it's just like, and the sentence made sense. It was missing maybe a few little things, but you, you could read it and, and understand it and have the gist of what they were trying to say. And so I just think it's amazing when you just give a guideline to kids. And I think that unfortunately, before, unfortunately, 80s and 90s babies, because that's majority of my, my parents' clientele, yeah. you have some that are probably thinking, I'm assuming, oh, my parents were strict, I'm not gonna be that for my kids. I'm just gonna let them you know, do whatever. But not realizing that kids crave structure. Excuse me, as humans, we crave engagement. People, <laughs> parents, daycare teachers have always asked me, how do you get them talking so quick? I'm engaging with them. And I got a kid right now, I've only been with him for maybe like two months. I got this kid talking. And it's sad because parents now don't talk to their kids. They don't engage with their kids. How all of a sudden this kid was like babbling almost or had his own jargon, his own vocabulary language going on. And all of a sudden now he, like now I walk in his daycare, he's like, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Right? He's like, hey. Hey. Okay. <laughs> so wait a minute. Where you at? <laughs> right. Exactly. But I tell parents, I I don't come down on my parents. I, I try to educate them as much as possible. So I, I tell them, assess yourself. How many times do you just give your kid something without saying something? Or That's how many true. times do you do something and you're not saying anything? You're missing those opportunities to communicate. How did we learn? How to communicate? How did we learn vocabulary? It's because we heard it all the time, and we associated with that thing, that person, that action. How do you know that's that's TT Lauren? Because every time TT Lauren came in, mommy would say, "Say hi to TT Lauren." That's TT Lauren. So that's how kids know what a pencil is from a book, from a chair mm-hmm. to 
Nana, all of that. But if you're not saying anything, if you're not requiring them to request it, that's another thing. Okay, they're of age now. Why are you just giving them the bottle of water? Oh, because I know they want it. Did they ask? Oh, that's crazy. That is true because like I'm playing through so many like experiences I've seen with other people and their kids or me when I've had other people's kids. I'm like, oh, okay, here I know it's that time here. Yeah. You know, yep. or whatever. And then you like, wait a second. Mm, yeah. They never did say anything. So we do it. I think and like you said, um, my friend and I we was talking yesterday, she was telling me this phrase that she lives by. Um, and the phrase is if you raise your kids now, you can spoil your kid, you can spoil your grandkids. But if you spoil your kids, you're gonna have to raise your grandkids. And so Oh Lord, if that ain't the truth. <laughs> I was like, yo, that is so crazy and so true. Because I do feel like I've heard that a lot, like, oh, I'm not gonna be as strict as my parents. And like as I get older, like every day I'd be like, mm-hmm, I see why Cheryl Andrew was like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm probably gonna be even worse. Right. Cause I've had grandparents reach out to me. This one grandparent, I had to put her in her place. Come to find out, she's the one who took her grandson to the doctor, got the prescription for speech therapy, called me, set up the appointment. And when I realized it was grandma, I said, and when I realized that the mom and the child did not live with her, I definitely put her in check. And I I straight up told her, I said, he's showing signs of autism. Here's the thing. If she doesn't take him to the appointment, if she doesn't show up to the meetings and sign off on it, he will not get services. He is he is going to need help because he's another four year old. I don't know what it is about that four year old. People wake up and oh no, there's something wrong with my child at four. I, like no, you knew that at two and three, but some are reason four. They just <laughs> they just wake up and be like, oh, I think yeah. But I've seen in my six years in private practice, I've seen grandparents step up. Or grandparents calling, oh, I have to do it for my daughter. Why? Why why do you have to do it for her? She's not concerned. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah, I'm seeing a lot of like my granny was very, very a part of our lives, but my mm-hmm. granny didn't have to like step in because my parents weren't doing. You know, right. now, she might have stepped in and say, I'm gonna do this, but it right. wasn't because Shirley Andrew wasn't yeah. doing. It was just right. crazy grandbabies babies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those. Yeah. yeah, it was it's it yeah. I, I feel like we're gonna see more. And and I had to let them know unless you unless your your child signs guardianship, when the child needs services in the public school system, you have no right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You can't, you have no right. can't come in there and just be like, hey, we're gonna do XYZ. You're not like the guardian, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I stopped them early with me. Call, call me rude. I don't care. But when I'm like, I, right. So I, even in my private practice, if I find out it's grandma and and mom is all the way right and her elevator still go all the way to the top. Oh, what's her number? Let me talk to her. Cause she has to do. Oh, she gotta work. Guess what? <laughs> Guess what? Why? <laughs> What are you gonna do when it's parent teacher conference and they're like, oh, your your kid is struggling? You gonna have to take off work then. So mm-hmm. carve out some time now and figure stuff out. But girl, yeah. So everybody, wow. the few people I, that know that I am 
moving in, going back to school, they're like, oh my gosh, you're gonna, you're gonna close down your practice? I know, that's how I feel, like, duh. I'm so ready. I feel like COVID has made parents worse because they try to blame COVID. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, just like when we were younger and our parents made life how it was when we were either stuck in the home or could go nowhere um, or didn't have enough money to go anywhere, we we did what we had to do. We went to grandma's house. We went to the zoo, you know, some something, right? Um but these parents are different. These parents are different. They're combative. They're in denial. And I've gotten to the point where I use the, the metaphor or analogy of a, of a um, personal trainer. Why would I? Yeah. So why would I put all this stock in this kid when they're just going to go home to an environment that's not going to help their progress so mm-hmm. if i'm telling you you need to do this you need to do this and you don't do it then it's like going to a personal trainer and then like two minutes later you're gonna go eat pizza like but why like i'm just gonna cut you off because you're wasting my time you're redoing my work right yeah like now i gotta work harder because right. you're doing your job at home and i feel like that goes on all across because you know i used to teach like yo like, yeah the least you can do is make sure the kid gets some sleep <laughs> At at, at minimum, this whole (laughs) falling asleep with that tablet, oh, they didn't go to sleep at 10, 11 o'clock. Excuse me, who's the parent? (laughs) Right. And then putting TVs in their room. Why does a four-year-old have a TV in their room? I don't. I don't understand. Even Dumars and I was talking about like the TV in the room. I was like, we don't. Yeah. I was like, we don't really need a TV in the room because you know, just trying to avoid the falling asleep. You right. know, TV and me as right. just an adult. You know, I'm trying to do right. better for myself. I mean, we have a TV, but yeah. not trying to make it you, make sure it's right. Off. And I'm glad you brought that up because what do they tell us as adults when it comes to our cell phones? An hour before you go to bed, you should yeah. look at your cell phone. So, what do you think? When they say two hours before bed for kids, there's a reason. There's a reason yeah. as adults we don't need it. There's a re- there's definitely a reason as a kid they don't need it. It messes up your sleep pattern. That's crazy. But I don't really, I see this thing. It's like this movement. It says wait till eight. I don't know if you heard of that movement. So basically. <laughs> I don't even want to hear it, but just go ahead and tell me. No, 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 it's it's on the same lines. So wait till eight basically is like it's trying to convince all parents to at least wait till your kid is in eighth grade to give them a cell phone. Like, okay. Yeah, I know. Because at first I was like, wait till eight? What are we waiting on? I'm like, what? I was thinking something else, but I'm cool with that. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I told you, you was going to like it. But, and they was explaining like the screen time kids falling asleep with their phones a lot yeah. of kids doing any and everything because i'm seeing all this stuff like how you can have secret accounts on tiktok and these kids are getting into like all this foolishness and i'm just like wait a second when i was There's growing up the thing- they're out there where they can not see this and have something to- yeah it's just yeah. i'm like wait till hey shoot i can wait till like college <laughs> Listen, I'm dating myself. Well, no, I'm not because you already put me on front street. So I had a prepaid phone till I went to college. I didn't have 
an actual cell phone until I went to college. Well, oh, like one with the plane. And then I really date myself because when I got a cell phone going to college, you only got 50 text messages a month. Bruh, let me tell let's, you. Let's talk, let's talk about Warren. times. The only reason why I know that I ended up getting the cell phone was because at the time, my cousin, I mean, she grown now, but yeah. <laughs> at the time I was in high school. This mm -hmm. is right before I ended up going to GAAA and she had to have heart surgery or something. And my dad had to come. I missed the bus and I was calling my mom from a payphone. And that, I guess, was it. My mom was like, no, we're not doing this because I was in school in North Carolina. So my dad came pick me up and that's how I ended up getting a cell phone. But with them text messages, Listen. 50, and that 50 included incoming and outgoing, at least that's for me. Right. And then when you went over, it was 25, 50 cents per text. Oh, my text. goodness. I remember calling my mom like, mom, like, I need more text messages. And she was like, this is all you get. And so let me tell you how I ended up getting bumped up. I went home one summer. I was in a situation and I could not call my mom. I could only text my mom. Oh, because my mom mm -hmm. did not put text messaging on her plan. She only gave it to me. So I had gotcha. to text my aunt to call my mom to tell my mom to like, I need help. <laughs> so after that, we got a bigger text messaging plan. <laughs> That's crazy you had to have a text messaging plan. You like, it was. It was rough out here on these streets. I got a call almost every month cause my uncle was paying our bill. And he was like, what are y'all texting about? Cause y'all texting each other. So for the audience out here, I have a twin sister and he was just like, what are y'all texting? I was like, we were texting, are you in the cafeteria? Are you gonna go to dinner? Exactly. You go Can you meet me? Can you That's meet me here? <laughs> right, right. So he was just like, oh, yeah. So I think definitely by the time I graduated college, it, they had moved to like unlimited or 250. Like they, you know, it was like, Thousand, right? Yeah, yeah, So yeah, yeah, man. Wow, that is the struggles. knows even still back then because we had flip phones and everything, but the pixels and everything like the clarity wasn't like that. Like I remember because yeah. I had Sprint, so well, actually, was it Sprint or it was like Powertail, Sprint, whatever it was? But it remember the green screen. The screen was green and you had like the black words and you had to type, do this, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. get a text message. Yeah. through. So now I just feel like I have this setting on my phone that it kind of alerts me 30 minutes before my bedtime. And then mm -hmm. when it's bedtime, my phone is on do not disturb anyway, because I got to protect my peace. Folks just be calling. My dad don't understand. I'm going to have to put take him off my, you know, my preferred list because he <laughs> do not disturb. And I'm like, I'm on do not disturb for a reason, dad. But that's neither here nor there. But it turns the phone, like the pics, it turns everything black and white. Mm. And I was like, oh, but so apparently they said it's better for your eyes at night. Yeah. On the, on the iPhone, it does change it to that. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was like, that's interesting. But yeah, yeah that way, like that night look. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's just like, 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 oh, it turned everything. So I tried it out last night and I was on Instagram. I was like, everything black and white. 
Oh no. So it really actually discouraged me from even being on my phone because oh, no. one, I couldn't remember how to turn it off. So let's just start there. <laughs> but, but, two, I was like, okay, I see it does discourage you because you know you take in like colors and everything, and that makes the experience better. So it's all mm-hmm. in black and white. I'm like. I want to look at that because what if her shirt was really cute and red and I can't see that as red? But yeah, I've seen, I've seen kids where like parents will give them like their older phone and I'm not following any parent because I ain't got no kids. Yeah. So I can't talk, but I've seen it and they have like, and they're just on the phone. Just like, like oh, it's not on. I'm like, I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying like, they have it set where the kids only play games with it because my four-year-old client has it. Um, has that same setup. He has, he has a phone, okay, but it just has games on it. And so um, I remember taking my aunt out to TJ Patrick. Never forget this. This is recent. And I saw, this, <laughs> I saw this lady come in with a stroller, and then she had two other kids. So, of course, the baby in the stroller didn't have anything. The little boy had a, a small tablet, and the girl, who clearly had to be like 10, 11 years old, she had a phone. And I was just like, you're walking. Now, this particular Cheesecake Factory is attached to a mall. Mm-hmm. We're at a mall. Mm-hmm. This is a perfect time to have a conversation. The perfect time to interact with your kids. Perfect time to get and snatched up. If I'm judging, I'm not even sure to go there. I'm judging. <laughs> this is why this is why I think the next generation are going to have social issues mm-hmm. because they didn't have enough practice socializing. Exactly. Because everybody, because even when you're together, everybody's on the phone. And I even realize that sometimes with me and my friends, like right. we're all together and we're just like on the phones. And then I'd be like, y'all, hold up a second. Look at this. Right. And then sometimes we're all in the same group chat because we're cheering yep. me. So we're doing that as adults, you know, for those of us who have kids, that's what the kids are doing. And that's the fine line you have to walk because if I'm sitting here telling them to dial back the screen time, I'm also telling them as an adult need to dial back their screen time and interact with their kids. But let's get real nice and nasty. There's some parents who really didn't want these kids. Come on now. They really want these kids, but they're gonna take care of them and do right by them. Yeah. So the thought of them actually engaging with them, they mm-hmm. wanted it. Exactly. They That's true. It. They're not gonna put in the extra effort. They're gonna no. do they still fighting it with the baby mama, baby daddy, whatever. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they, they more focused on that and focus on other stuff that it's just like, no, they occupied this by time of peace. No, you <laughs> let peace walk out the door when you had a child. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Woo. Wow. Like I've learned like so much. I never like I like the thing you say used to age. Two words, three yeah. words. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Cause I see some kids sometimes and I'll be like, hey. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's how you can that's how I and you're gonna pick it up now. Look, I won't do I know. Like, my family. I because <laughs> when I bring stuff up. Like now they, they be looking at stuff. My sister, even today, we'll be watching TV. Do they got a list? Oh yeah, they got a list. But anyway, <laughs> but um that's how you can tell which kids 
get a lot of screen time and which ones do not. If they can give you a full-fledged sentence and they four or five years old, it's like, mm -hmm, your parents waited. It must have you like on a timer or something, right? But yeah. when you try to talk to a kid and they can't, you can't keep their attention. I have. don't know what they're saying. Oh, they getting hella screen time. Oh, that's crazy. Because I've seen, I've like tried to interact with like certain kids and like, oh, hey, you know, because I'm probably talking to one of their parents. And it's yeah. like, doop, doop, doop. Mm -hmm. phone, can I play with your phone? And I'm just like, yeah, no, we don't do that over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the, our education system is in, it's going to be in crisis because we still dealing with this pandemic situation. And then you add in a group, not just one, two kids, a whole generation of kids coming up with all of this screen time and all this energy and inattention. In mm -hmm. And then you have not all, but a group of parents who don't want to change and don't want to um, adjust um, their environment and what they, um, and their household. It's going to be rough out here on these streets. <laughs> and that's why people are running to charter schools and private schools. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. Okay. They so still got issues though. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Oh man. So to wrap it up, what is, well, I have two questions. First, I know we talked about environment, but is there any other like crucial tip that you could like throw out there to like parents who are dealing with like little kids, you know, bringing them up that would help their kid be successful when it comes to like speech and learning and everything like that? Um, I would definitely say old school. I, I tell all my parents old school plan, like every, even I know even leapfrog now has this little like tablet looking thing, but books, right. Books, Legos, baby dolls, puzzles. Something they can touch. Yes, especially our black boys. Black boys love to touch things. I realize even in therapy, if I don't have something that they can manipulate, it's going to be a long 30 minutes. But when I have like something that they can touch or they can feed this and touch this and pull this and close it, they are in it. Okay, wow. and so um, it's really sad that Toys R Us closed, but that just shows you where we are as a culture and as a people. Kids' jobs, I can't even take uh, <laughs> uh, credit for what I'm about to say, but kids' occupation is to play. Play teaches them communication. Play teaches them their motor skills on how to walk, how to pick up stuff, how to pour. Mm -hmm. Play is their occupation. Mm -hmm. So if we keep that in mind when we're raising our kids or our godchildren, niece, nephew, whatever, grandchildren, play is their occupation. Mm -hmm. And when you take that away, that's why they're having all these delays, not able to wipe their nose, not able to hold a fork and be able child and some kids i was like "Ooh, i can tell your parents still feed you because just how they're being i'm for real how they hold the fork and scoop it to their mouth like small i'm telling you play i'm gonna start paying attention everything i'm telling you play teaches kids everything and 
not only buy them the toys, but engage with them. Okay, I know you got to cook, you got to clean, whatever. Okay, they're playing with something. Oh, what you playing with? Oh, you building a house? Is it going to be a big house? Is it going to be a small house? Is it going to be red? Oh, you got all, you put all the red Legos together. What you going to do? Oh, you going to make a pool? You can do that from across the room. <laughs> I would love for you to do it right next to them. But if you got, you know, if you got, especially single um, parents out here, if you got to cook, if you got to do this, do this laundry, as you're walking by or every, oh, you're doing that? And when they get of age, like three, four, five, even though I know this sounds like a nightmare, but try to incorporate them in the chores that you have. Mm -hmm. um, I have seen, which I think is really cool, like this um, stair step for toddlers. So they can be like the same height uh, for the counter, kitchen counter. So okay. Okay, you don't want them to make a mess. Get them a nice bowl, throw a little flour in there. I bet you they'll play with that little flour the whole time while you're cooking. And, yep. they, and don't be afraid for kids to make a mess. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to make a mess. Okay? They're supposed to make a mess. So, yeah. That's, oh, my that's your tip. That's your tip. Awesome. Well, one last thing um mm -hmm. i would so okay question so i know that you're closing down your mobile clinic your business okay let's get that yeah but are you going to keep here to speak academy i'm definitely going to keep here to speak academy okay. and once life settles because i don't want to start something too quickly i am yeah. going to keep here to speak and change it to like an iep advocacy parent training thing okay um i think once i get real deep into my PhD program, um, it'll come to me on what it needs to be um, okay. because my advisor actually is over the community health degrees. Oh. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I see what you're doing, kind of. At least I'm getting a glimpse. <laughs> and so because Here to Speak is here to speak, I literally can turn it into anything. And so yeah. um, I have a big passion for parents understanding the whole process of getting their kids services through the school system. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of parents get played. A lot of parents don't know what's going on. And that's why I'm getting this degree so that I can go to these committees and policymakers be like, this is not what's happening on these streets. You mm -hmm. might have implemented this. This might be in this manual and this policy, but this is not what's happening. Why are why I'm still experiencing or coming in contact with parents who feel overwhelmed, who still don't understand what their child is get, getting. I'm still <laughs> getting copies of people's IEP and I'm telling parents, oh, look in this section. It should have this information. Why am I doing that? That should have been done at the meeting. Mm -hmm. Why am I always having to re-explain things to them? That's not okay. So, yeah, but I'm definitely going to keep um, here to speak okay. to I will tell you this. I have um, a COVID voucher, nothing, multiple streams of income. So <laughs> that is, I do love helping people, but I, I saw that, oh, okay, this is going to be another stream of income that I can uh, generate. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So we're not going away. We just forging a new path. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm always going to still be an entrepreneur because I was telling one of my friends about like the two jobs I applied for. And she was like, oh, you're really changing. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> just because I've applied to some jobs. And that's just for the stability of, hey, I'm grown now. I can live like a college student. I need a job. Um, and trying to rebuild my practice in a whole new state, in a whole new city, that does not sound like fun to me. So let me just go be somebody's employee again. It ain't going to be forever. It's <laughs> temporary. I got you. But that's where my other side stuff comes from. I'm still going to have my entrepreneurial other businesses things coming on, you know, to other things that I have going on. That I, I have... I have, uh, or the bug, entrepreneurial bug has bit me and it will forever be with me. And um, I don't think that's going away anytime soon. So, so yeah, but I'm, I'm really excited. That is so cool. So cool. Like, you know, I'm like one first dope because you're a black woman, you out here killing it in this, you know, hear her speak. And I'm like, yep, mm -hmm, I know her. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's Lauren. <laughs> No, now let me tell you something. I'm not used to now the I don't want to call it the fame because I don't want to sound like I'm a celebrity or something, but oh, I, you gotta pat yourself on the back. <laughs> so um, you know, the world's opening up now and I am a um I love going to conventions probably because I love networking. And so recently, so I went to one in November, I went to one in uh March. And this girl, the one in March was just for Black speech pathologists. And this girl saw me walking through the hotel. And she was like, Lauren Hastings? I was like, yeah. Stop. And she was like, oh my gosh. I can't believe I've made it you. The girl started crying. What? And I was like, I was like, I was looking for some other prominent, you know, speech pathologists behind me. Like, oh maybe she got me mixed up with somebody else. But the irony and the testimony in that is that she's a student and, you know, on my Instagram, I post some advice for students a lot. And so she was like, she was juggling school and was thinking about quitting and she found me and started following me and she stayed in school. And oh. so, yeah. And so then her other friend came around the corner and she was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're meeting you. I listened to your podcast. Now, then by the end of it, they were calling me their cousin. I was like, okay. <laughs> but that's something I'm slowly getting used to. Um, you know, people walking up to me saying, oh, I follow you on Instagram. I like your content. So that's a little different. <laughs> so, like, look at you yeah. out here influencing the world. I guess. I at the end of the day, you know, you know my uncle, so I get it from him. I'm just I'm just doing me and having fun. I'll say this for females. I think for us, especially as black women, we're all about like helping other people, doing for other people, but sometimes we need to just be self aware and take care of us mm -hmm. and um lean into our gift. And so now that I'm even at the tender age of 38, just now getting to the point you know, where I'm just like, I never knew that. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are, but um, I've just reached a point where it's like, okay, God put me here for a reason. I'm really falling in love with who I am, what I bring to the table, what I offer to the world. And I'm just enjoying just 
living and walking in that. And it's just so much freedom in that. Someone um, uh, signed up to do a consultation with me. She's like, you're the same way you are on social media. I was like, well, that would be different. <laughs> like, I'm the same way. <laughs> There's no other way to be. This is what you're going to get, okay? You're going to get Lauren from the SWATs. You're going to get professional Lauren. You're going to get you're gonna get a little bit of everything. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, that is so cool. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for chit-chatting with me, kicking it with me. Because, you yeah. know, podcast. Kickish. Um, but I will say this as I close out. Um, once again, I just said it, but I'm gonna keep saying it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, guys, do not forget to comment, like, share because sharing is caring, it can be fun, yeah. and it's free. <laughs> and to follow, do you want anyone you want to throw out any places for them to follow you? Sure, um, follow me on Instagram at sassysop. Find me on LinkedIn at Lauren Hastings. I'm active on both of those. And then, of course, Facebook, um, Lauren Hastings SLP. Um, but Instagram is where I'm active the most if you want to hear some crazy stories. Um, definitely want to follow my Instagram at Sassy SLP. No special spelling, S A S S Y S L P. All right. Thank you. All right. That's the end of our podcast. Um, thank you guys for joining in. And we shall see you guys later. Peace. Yeah.